Hello, everyone, and welcome to the series premiere of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's black and gold brand. I'm your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as I launched the third official podcast on the Rest of Sotopia Network. For those of you who are back, for the fourth time in less than two weeks, you are truly a champion, a penchant for punishment, and apparently a lover of my voice and what I have to offer to you in terms of analysis, humor, and overall information. So your dedication is not taken for granted or taken lightly for that matter, and my commitment to you is equally as strong. For those of you who are listening for the very first time, I promise I will stop saying welcome after week two, but welcome. You chose to come here. You clicked the link. You saw something on social media or in your podcast feed and said, I must listen to what this lady has to say. And here I am offering you my perspective on all things NXT. And I just happened to tailor this show for the nighttime hours. Now, I don't know when this podcast drops specifically. It can drop during the early hours of your rush hour or your lunch break, or your afternoon drive home, but anytime you need to wind down and sit back, relax, turn the lights down low, let my voice wash over you as I recap the highs and lows from NXT. If you watched the show, fabulous. Here's an added commentary from me. If you haven't watched the show and you just want to pick and choose what you want to see, I provide a service for you. I'm like a vocal DVR giving you tips on what to fast forward and what to stop and pause for and dedicate your time and energy to. So without further ado, let's kick off the NXT nightcap with Beth Phoenix. Yes, Beth Phoenix, who tore it up with a busted head laceration at the Warrior Rumble this past Sunday. But she was dead serious on commentary because If you watched Monday Night Raw this past week, you saw what happened to Edge, who is her actual husband in real life. Randy Orton damn near ended his career again, and Beth was emotional, and she sold the moment, and if you had her in a room with Randy Orton, I honestly believe she would kick his ass. So even though NXT is in its own little bubble on Wednesdays, she still sold Orton's attack on Edge beautifully, and it opens the door for Beth Phoenix to possibly pop up on Raw over the next couple of months and get attacked by Randy Orton, even though I say she could kick his ass, but it's all about heat and Orton doing the same thing he did to Stephanie McMahon 11 years ago by like RKOing her, then kissing her on the lips while Triple H was handcuffed to the ring ropes. That would be absolutely delicious. Can they do it in the PG era in the year 2020 and make it that much more sinister? Who knows? It would give an extra edge to that angle. No pun intended, but I love how Beth just brought it up randomly and just sold the moment even more and built heat on a Wednesday night where it's not raw adjacent, but in some ways it is. Moving on to the first major match of the night was Finn Balor versus Trent Seven. Now, during the World's Collide special on the WWE Network this past Saturday, Johnny Gargano was attacked from behind by Finn Balor and Tyler Bate made the save. And in my mind, I thought we was gonna get Tyler Bate and Finn Balor on NXT live on Wednesday night and the fans and me and everyone at home would have lost their minds. A fabulous match on paper and even better in reality. However, 
We got Trent Seven instead, but it had a good storyline thread because Finn Balor attacked him in the parking lot, tried to choke him out by using the car door window frame and just choking him from the top, telling him, stay out of my business, stay out of my way, or you would end up just like Johnny Gargano. And that led up to the match tonight. And Trent Seven did a great job selling his throat, had a bruised larynx, but he fought through the injury, had a very competitive match against Finn Balor, hard-hitting, physical Finn Balor, since coming back to NXT and turning heel a couple of months ago, has been fabulous. His in-ring work is so vicious, sharp, and has so much evil intent behind it. It's Amazing! It's like night and day of what he did on the main roster. He fights with such intensity and a flair that you just don't see in matches every single week on television. He just brings it in a completely different way. And Trent Seven stayed with him every step of the way. He ultimately got done in with a coup de grace from the top rope and the 1916 with Finn Balor picking up the win. As he continues to make a statement heading into his match against Johnny Gargano at NXT TakeOver Portland in a couple of weeks. So that was a nice piece of business. Trent Seven looked good. Finn Balor looked even better by being a badass heel that the fans can't seem to hate despite his evil intent. But that's Finn. He's talented. The prince is here to stay. And he is not abdicating his throne to anyone, not even the heart of NXT, Johnny Wrestling. I want to shine a spotlight on Shotzi Blackheart for a moment. She rode up to the arena in a mini tank. Think Rusev, WrestleMania 31 during his U.S. Championship match against John Cena. Not that elaborate, but a mini tank nonetheless. She comes in body armor, ready to go fight, rebel yell. I love her. She's different, unique, from her hair color to her ring attire, to how she carries herself, to how she talks, to how she wrestles. It's all different. There is nothing cookie cutter about her. And the fans are going to organically fall in love with her in the weeks and months to come. She is going to be a game changer in the women's division this year. And the division is so deep with talent. She had a competitive but short match against Deanna Parazzo where she won with a top rope set on and it was a nice way to cap off an impressive outing for Miss Blackheart. She had a very good match against Bianca Belair during the Christmas night edition of NXT last month. And it really showed the growth of Belair and Shotzi to work together so well to have a really competitive match I really invested in from not seeing Shotzi on the independent scene. So that tells me she is ready to go. No need to work through the performance center reps and the house show coconut circuit. Yes, that's nice. But getting real estate time on television to grow with an audience that is getting to know her week to week and liking her style and the way that she moves and talks and works. It's great. And it's something different. It's something that I can latch on to and say, hey, girls at home and men for that matter as well can say, I want to be her. She's a badass. She rules. And I need that extra edge in my life and I can live vicariously through her. That's what Shotzi Blackheart has to offer. And she rolls up in a tank, y'all, a tank. Hot Wheels might have to produce a line of these for WWE during the holiday season for 2021. That's how over she could really be with the tank gimmick and just her being awesome. So Chassie Blackheart, you're winning my heart every single time I see you on my screen. 
Good for you, my dear. Moving on to Keith Lee celebrating his North American Championship win last week against Wadrick Strong. Mr. Lee came out, celebrated with the people. They basked in his glory. It was a beautiful sight to behold. And Keith Lee, I have to say this, no one has benefited from NXT going from one hour to two hours on broadcast television more so than Keith Lee. His matches have been stellar. His performance at Survivor Series was outstanding. His appearance in the Warrior Rumble match was memorable with him and Brock Lesnar going toe-to-toe and trading power moves. Keith Lee is going to be a big star. And to see that star rise organically on NXT television, starting with that debut episode back on September 18th, it really spelled the future for him in color. And it wasn't there when they were doing the week-to-week shows and he was injured during the summer. And he had this great series of matches against Dominic Dijakovic, but it didn't really go anywhere because it was dropped due to injury. But now here we are on television. He's now the champion. And of course, contenders are coming out the woodwork to challenge him for his championship. And the first guy to come out is Damian Priest, deep voice and all, pretty much saying, I want your championship. I want the women. I want the cars and I want the gold. And Keith was down to give it to him in a match, of course. And then Dominic Dijakovic comes out to challenge Keith Lee for the title as well. They have a long-rooted history dating back to their feud over the summer and early fall. And in a line that popped me and made me laugh out loud, he called Damian Priest a fake Marilyn Manson. Normally, Dijakovic makes me laugh for all the wrong reasons with his backstage promos, but this one, to me, it was a winner. And it led to a match between Priest and Dijakovic. Keith Lee had no time for the drama. He would let the men fight it out on their own. He wanted no part of this mess. He would wait for the fallout. And sure enough, he did just that by leaving the ring unscathed. What followed was a very good match between Dijakovic and Damian Priest. Two big men fighting like a couple of street fighters, not Mortal Kombat fighters, because in Mortal Kombat, it's clean, it's proficient, it's pristine. These two are two big dudes doing athletic shit with every part of their body, with their feet, from their hands to their heads. They are great men doing exceptional things. The spot of the match for me was Damien Priest delivering an avalanche poison rana to Dijakovic from the top rope. Dijakovic kicked out and he finished him off with feast to your eyes and presumably, perhaps, just maybe, secured a North American championship match against Keith Lee at NXT TakeOver Portland to conclude their rivalry. Think about this. This match has been built up for months on the WWE Network and on the USA Network and it can culminate in an outstanding, holy shit, look at these big men move match at a major takeover event. I'm excited because I know they've been holding back on TV, giving us teases of what they can do in a big moment. And this is their biggest moment if it comes down to that. Their first singular matches on NXT, not teaming up together at War Games, but their first singles match head to head to culminate a rivalry, to end it on a high note, to push them both to new heights. Big men doing crazy shit things. The fans in Portland at the Moto Center are going to lose their absolute minds watching them do their thing in the ring because we have not seen the best of what they had to do. There is this match from PWG from a couple of years ago that blew people's minds and they want to see that match on television and they might get their wish in a couple of weeks to take over. One can only hope because I can guarantee they're going to tear down the house. Keith Lee 
And a nickname I have for Dijakovic, like I have for Drew McIntyre. He is a tall glass of Croatian milk because I am trying to save the cows in this dairy farm war. Elsie and Betsy, I'm looking out for you. In NXT Championship news, Tomasa Ciampa and Adam Cole will face off for Goldie at NXT TakeOver Portland on Sunday, February 16th. Ciampa punched his ticket by basically destroying the Undisputed Era backstage prior to getting his hands on Adam Cole. He beat Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong with a lead pipe before making his way down to the ring with a table, marking it with an X and saying that he was gonna put Adam Cole through it and sign the contract to solidify his spot in the TakeOver main event. Adam Cole comes out saying, why should we have sympathy for you because your career almost ended? I am the champion. I am the man around here. How dare you even step up to me and attack my brothers? He threatens to fight Ciampa. Rigo comes out and says, hey, Adam Cole came to my office. He signed the contract. He didn't care who he was going to face at TakeOver for his NXT championship. Cole grabs the contract, runs down to the ring, boinks. Ciampa's head with the microphone, busts him open inadvertently, and then they get the fighting. Ciampa gets control quickly. He power bonds him through the table. X truly marked the spot. He signs the contract. Blood is pouring over his head in an open room that was caused by the mic spot. And the fans, in an awesome moment, chanted, sign it with your blood, sign it with your blood. So he obliged. He put his hand on his forehead that was dripping with blood and he smeared the contract in his own blood to signify the match at TakeOver for the NXT Championship. An awesome piece of improv, a great piece of business, and they're going to have a phenomenal match at TakeOver Portland there is no need to build this up. Ciampa and Cole, they're two of the best, the very best this world has to offer, and they're going to tear it up. I don't know who's going to win. Smart Business says, hey, I can see Cole taking this thing all the way to WrestleMania and dropping it to someone else, but Ciampa never losing the championship, wanting Goaty back in his life, obsessed. And here's the key. If he doesn't win the championship, is he going to completely snap and lose his mind and go to that very dark, dark place that drove him batty a few years ago, it could very well happen. And for me, I'm all for it because Ciampa being a miserable bastard is so much more fun than being a good guy that is honorable with integrity. That ain't him. And the sooner he can conclude his feud with Johnny Gargano, I know they haven't forgotten about it, would be awesome too, with or without the belt. Those two guys going at it one more time to solidify their feud once and for all would be the chef's kiss. Mwah. Fantastic. In grudge match news, Tegan Knox defeated Dakota Kai with the shiniest wizard after using a crutch to the face to pick up the win thanks to an assist from Candice LeRae. The match was fine, heated while it lasted. It was very physical, but it just lacked that extra something special because Dakota Kai has not been presented as this badass heel since she turned heel a couple of months ago at NXT TakeOver War Games when she attacked her best friend in that shark cage and got mega heat for it. A couple of weeks into the turn, she was getting over as a heel, getting booed out of the building, had a look to her, a aura that stood out, that was unique, that was different, that was vicious. And then she couldn't beat Candice LeRae, got beat down by Mia Yim on multiple occasions, and got put through a table and got her head busted open and damn near got a concussion. 
she never got revenge on Yim or Lorray, and they beat her down like she was a nobody. Tegan Knox is off television for weeks, apparently returns in a random battle royal, and Tegan Knox was in position to win until Dakota Kai, who did not enter into the match, ripped her off the apron and chucked her crutch in her face to add insult to injury. Had a nice brawl at Worlds Collide this past Saturday, but the match itself just lacked that extra something special that justified this blood feud from existing. And it just boiled down to how Dakota Kai was handled during her initial heel run. It's like everything she's done has failed. Her mission to get back at her best friend has failed. Everyone that did her wrong, from Candice LeRae to Mia Yim, she has not done anything to them physically. They have beaten her up. I know that they can't let her attack Rhea Ripley because she's the NXT champion and she's being protected at the moment, but it still dilutes Kai's turn as a heel and really negates her heat in the process. Now she's lost clean as a sheet, not exactly, but the fact that she introduced a steel chair into the match and it came back to bite her in the ass, then I say, hey, an eye for an eye. Sorry, Moxley, but it is what it is. So it was a match. It was there. It seems like it's the end. It seemed like there was room to have a really physical match, maybe falls count anywhere, a street fight using all kinds of weapons. But if this is it, what a lukewarm way to end a feud that has so much potential only to fall flat in the end. It's disappointing. Now it's time for our main event. The finals of the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. The Bros awaits Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle versus the Grizzle Young Veterans, James Blake and Zach Gibson. A great match. A great way to close the tournament. I love Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle. They are an oddball team that I can get behind. They rule. They have this offbeat chemistry. Riddle, the stoner. Pete Dunne, the straight man. The comedy writes itself. The fans are laughing in the arena. It's just two guys, completely different, but they kick so much ass and do it so well. And the grizzled young veterans, Zach Gibson, to me, outside of the Brozoweights, is the MVP of this tournament because he talks so much shit and gets legit heel heat. I love him. And seeing him shine from NXT UK to NXT US is great and James Drake is a great partner they do phenomenal work together this match was fantastic hard-hitting high-flying physical the fans were into it and ultimately Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne picked up the win when they nailed James Drake with the GTS combo for the win for the trophy and the right to face the Undisputed Era Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT Tag Team titles at NXT TakeOver Portland in a couple of weeks. A great capper to the Dusty Classic. The trophy was in the ring at the end of the show. Pyrotechnics were going off. Confetti was flying everywhere. The fans were happy. The bros of race were happy. William Regal was clapping. It was a great way to cap a truly wonderful tournament with great matches on NXT television. Now, unfortunately, the first round matches that aired during the first NXT of 2020 were not great. But after week two with the Brozoways against Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews, good Lord, they tore it up. The time splitters Kushida and 
Alex Shelley teaming up against the Grizzled Young Veterans, which led to my love of Zach Gibson talking all kinds of shit and almost backing it up. Imperium tearing it up with Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne just last week in the semifinals. It was glorious tag team wrestling on display to say, hey, WWE, tag teams do matter. They do matter in NXT. Can you apply that same logic and passion and dedication to the main roster? That would be fabulous. But this was a great way to cap off a very good post-Warrior Rumble edition of NXT. And now they have two weeks to build to NXT TakeOver Portland, their last TakeOver before WrestleMania in Tampa Bay, Florida. So after that, they have like a month and a half of real estate to work with to push, push, push their key matches for their biggest takeover of the year. I can't wait to see how it all unfolds and develops. Next week, we have a few things lined up with Rhea Ripley confronting Bianca Belair for their women's championship match. Yes, it's called the women's championship again. That was a one week change from the neutral NXT championship. Plans change according to WWE memo internally or not. We have the new NXT Cruiserweight Champion Jordan Devlin appearing live in the U.S. next week as well. It's just going to be a slow-built show to take over. The real sauce won't happen until the go-home show in a couple of weeks, but NXT is definitely laying the foundation for one hell of a takeover in Portland on February 16th on the WWE Network, which is on a Sunday, by the way. So mark calendars accordingly. Not a Saturday. It's on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And on that note, this wraps up the premiere edition of the NXT Nightcap. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back sometime tomorrow night recapping Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, my final recap of the week for your listening pleasure. Thank you so much for your support, your downloads, your subscriptions. They mean the world to me. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at LadyWrestlingX. That's letter X, nothing too fancy or special about that. And you can find links to all of my episodes via Buzzsprout, Stitcher, iTunes Plus, Amazon Alexa, Spotify, and the granddaddy of them all, Apple Podcast Drop Times, and your podcast feeds will vary. But look to my social media for all the important information. Have a wonderful evening or a good morning or a good afternoon, wherever you are around the world. And I'll be back sometime tomorrow night with the debut edition the final debut of something on the wrestling front entitled The Smackdown Windown, recapping the highs and lows from Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.